0: Hi, I'm Mark Renick. This is victory over sin. do My name is Mark Renick. Good Saturday afternoon to you, Treasure Valley. I hope everything is going well with you. It looks like winter is here. If it's not uh, already, it's coming real soon. So I hope you're nice and warm this Saturday afternoon. We're going to talk about Victory Over Sin and we're going to talk about who sponsors it, which is Systemic Change of Idaho. And Systemic Change of Idaho is an advocacy organization via the Southwest Council for St. Vincent de Paul. We do many things, but what we're attempting to do in this program and in these uh, archives, if you look back on it, we've been doing it almost a year now, if you look back on the archives, we're trying to educate Idahoans on what it's like to be on parole. And it's a real exciting process. Uh, This really developed out of a conference from the St. Vincent de Paul conference called the Reentry Conference. But four and a half years ago, a group of people got together and pulled together people from all denominations and said, hey, we need a conference specifically for people who are getting out of incarceration. And there are people on this uh, conference uh, from all their evangelicals, are LDS, are Catholic people on this conference, and what we do is come together as a group. And we see people as they're coming out of incarceration. To give you an idea, thousand people paroled in the calendar year before last. This small re-entry conference saw six hundred and fifty one of those people. So two people went out and visited those people, sat with them, said, Hey, what do you need? You need some help with rent? You need some clothes? You need a bus? You need a bus 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 pass or a bicycle? And we actually met those needs. So that's what this conference did. It got some national attention in terms of the entity of St. Vincent de Paul. And we were visited about a year ago by some people who came out and said, hey, we've got these pilot projects going for reentry. And you sound like a candidate where you might be interested in some of that. And what would you like to do with it? And so a couple of us said, hey, I'd love to do that. Let's educate Idahoans on what it's like to do to be on parole so that because – We contend that uh, the the Idahoan that you're running across on the street does not know what it's like to be incarcerated and do not know of the travails and difficulties to live on parole. So that's what we're doing. We do that in several different ways. One of them is to do this radio show. And if you look back in the archives, you will see key players in the Department of Corrections and the support for uh, what we like to call returning citizens as they're coming back into the community. And we interview them and we share that message. So that's one thing that this group does. We also go out and develop a a very strong PowerPoint in terms of articulating those issues. And the people who actually deliver that PowerPoint are people who are returning citizens. We train three of those people now who do it. Uh, In fact, this last week, Wednesday night, we kind of debuted the PowerPoint. It was well received over on Overland at St. Vincent de Paul. We're excited about that. If some of this as we're talking touches your heart, let's say you're a returning citizen and you want to get involved. Then at the end of the show, you're gonna. I'm gonna reach. I'll show you how to contact me. Reach out. I'll give you. I'll give you a prospectus, and we'll set you up. If you want to help or you want to support, again the same. Reach out to me, and we'll get you involved with this. This is a very powerful thing, and we're excited about it. We also under this banner meet people as their first day of release from incarceration, and we encourage case managers. If you're out in the desert and you're going to get out, you, the first place you need to go is to our office which is in the Peer Wellness Center at 963 South Orchard, uh, Suite 101. We're there 9 to noon, Monday through Friday. And we will give you all the resources to kind of help you support your first day of release. We'll also give you a clothing voucher for $25 to go forward and kind of introduce you to uh, the community again. So that's powerful, and that's what systemic change of Idaho does. Uh, Again, one of the things we're working on right now is, if you're listening to this, is project that we also support is the Cookies for Max program. We've been taking up the spearhead of a couple churches who have done it, but we like to take it over this year. So you still have until the 10th of December. You can bring cookies to that same office at 963 South Orchard, or you can come by and just drop a check off. That check you want to make out to IMSI Hope Community Phase 2, and I will go out and actually purchase the cookies because the cookies need to be store-bought this year. There's kind of a rules, and we're going to have a guest on in a minute. We're going to talk about the origin of that program and i'm excited about that so Without further ado, we'll take a break, and then we'll be right back with our guest. Thank you.
1: The United States has the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world. That's one in 200 Americans are currently serving time in a federal or local prison. As of May 2017, Idaho has 8,223 men and women incarcerated and another 17,201 on probation and parole. So upon release from prison, who works with these individuals and families to help them transition back into our community? This is done by what we call Returning Citizens Resources and Coffee Shop. We offer them a cup of coffee and some resources and information to help get them on solid footing with their faith, their recovery, and to begin their new life as our neighbor. It's designed for the offender's first stop from the institution. If you'd like to help us help them, please contact Mark Rennick at 629-8861. That's area code 208-629-8861. And if you're out in the desert needing any help for your transition we pay for that call okay
0: we're back um well i I love doing this show and i think i hope you hear it in my voice and some of the times i really get to do something neat and today i really do get to do something neat we've had we've been doing this show for about a year and one of the key people that i always wanted to be on the show is our, our guest today and his name is Michael Johnson. He is the deputy warden at South Idaho Correctional Institution. Welcome, Michael.
2: Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate you having oh, me on.
0: Oh, yeah. This is powerful. I love this. Uh, what you, Those of you who listen to my voice on a regular basis know that I was incarcerated at 74975. And uh, I spent some time, majority of the time, I was incarcerated at maximum security prison. And Mr. Johnson was the warden there. And three months after I was brought to Max from then ICC... This little notice comes up on the board in A Block, and it was asking for recruits for Hope Community. So, and we kind of differ back and forth over the years because it's been 10 years now. So, but they say you were the instigator of Hope Community. Is that true?
2: Well, that's true. Yeah. There are a lot of us that work together to make sure it happened.
0: But but you were the force. The idea was mine. Yes. There you go. He takes credit for it. I (laughs) like that. How have you been? Been very good. And I see you are too, Mark. No, we're doing good. We're doing good. It's good to see... Uh, one of the things that's been cool about my life after incarceration is I get to work with a lot of people who actually changed my life. And I can tell you, if the Department of Corrections is listening, that uh, this project that Mr. Johnson started did do that in terms of I was in the right spot at the right time, and God did that for me, and it was powerful. So I thank you for that, and I've done that before, but I do. so. Well,
2: that's nice. Thanks, Mark. I have find it interesting what you said, that I was in the right spot at the right time, Absolutely. which happened to be a Max in security prison. It's, That's, a, it's
0: a good story. It's interesting. <laughs> so tell me about uh, how you and I met, and uh, you were the deputy warden at MAX, and how did all this come about? Well,
2: we were trying to find ways for men to have opportunities to change uh, out at MAX and also find ways to— uh, find workers, if you remember, yep, one of exactly. the problems uh, at maximum security is that you have to have inmates to help with laundry, with property, with, uh, and especially in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a rough crowd mm-hmm. uh, that we had over there. And so we we're trying to figure out a way to, to help them uh, behave better so that we could have better workers. And we came up with the idea of a hope community because as we looked out on the men, we found that uh, there were many of them who really wanted to do something different with their lives. They mm-hmm. got themselves in a mess, but they really wanted to get out of it and didn't know how. So we came up with the idea of a hope community, a tier, a unit, where they had the opportunity to uh, make change in their lives and get support from that, and it uh, worked pretty good.
0: You know, I can I can remember, um, I don't remember the exact day, but I know it was in September of, uh, it was Christmas or up 2005, when we moved out there. and. Uh, people who are out in the desert listening to me, or if you're not, I'll explain that we moved into a place called G Block, and their E, F, and G are buildings adjacent to the main prison at Max, whereas Max is kind of like almost underground. E, F, and G are the kind of the support buildings, if you will, that are some people out there. And we moved into G Block, and I can remember as we were loading up our stuff, 36 of us, because there were 36 beds. Uh, moving out there thats not ever people were moving out they weren't happy about it and so I can imagine what it was doing to the institution that Christmas when we were all moving out there speak about that from your standpoint
2: yeah there were a lot of men that were upset Uh, they'd gotten out there because they'd
0: worked they'd been there a long time they'd gotten to the cool place to live kind of you know in their mind
2: that was the cool place to live yeah outside of the institution itself into a a, a block where they had a little more independence and, and a little more privacy um but uh, the intention was to find those guys who had demonstrated over the past few months that they were trying to change and wanted to change. And so we asked for volunteers. We didn't really make the assignments. We asked for volunteers who would like to participate in that because the first thing we wanted to do is make sure that those that came in wanted to be in the program. Mm-hmm. And uh, although there were a lot of uh, folks, including staff, they were upset at the changes oh, the beginning. Uh, I, I, I,
0: I, I totally, that would be a part of the discussion because I think what – First of all, I can remember doing my interview, and i didn't I did it with consults. I didn't even know whether I'd passed or not the way I talked to him <laughs> until i uh, until I got this uh notice to move and But I know that the staff they did not like what we were doing at first I mean it was pretty much no there were a couple of reasons for that uh, first of all, we had to make
2: sure that we had an officer out there mm-hmm. uh, that are several officers out there who supported what we were trying to do uh and uh, that meant a change in post for mm-hmm. some of the assignments. And that didn't go over well and some unhappy people to begin with. But the officers that we selected there turned out to oh, be just, man, just amazing just absolutely, people. Absolutely, absolutely. And were a significant key to the success of that whole program. Uh, I'm sure that folks don't realize that uh, those officers and not the treatment staff <laughs> uh, actually uh, were delivering the programs uh, to the Breaking Barriers, that was designed by Gordy Graham, who Cordy was over in. The you know, I south. still,
0: I, I, still communicate with Gordy Graham in terms of he's got, he's still doing work up in Washington under, a, his company has been bought by another entity, I think it's called TriStar or something. But he's still lecturing. He's on the radio once a week. Is that there. right? Yeah, he really is. I he does podcasts. That that those, yeah.
2: well, he sure had a great program. It yeah, worked very well. Yeah.
0: Uh, go ahead. You want go on? You can talk about staff if you want to, too, because I know that one of the staff actually works with us now. On uh, a part-time basis, uh, Keith Rast. So, uh, And he was a integral part of the Swingship. But the man who made it work was Brian Hammer.
2: Brian Hammer and Gage Brock. Those yep, two were just yep. amazing in the work that they did. They had an interest in the inmates and their success. So they treated them with dignity and respect. But they really liked breaking barriers. And they mm-hmm. facilitated that class with enthusiasm and expertise. Made, right. And I think it,
0: still I've, uh, I've kept track of – I've attempted to keep track of all the people who – uh, lived at that facility, came in and came out. And um, still, as you see many of them, we still talk in breaking barriers kind of comments. You know, you'll say that's, you got an incorrect belief on your uh, principle on your belief window or something like that. I, I'll still, they'll say that stuff to us. So, uh, yeah, we got it over and over and over again. And th- I think that was a key, Mark, is that we didn't just deliver that program, which took
2: what was it three months mm-hmm. to, to go start to finish mm-hmm. Once we were finished, we began again mm-hmm. and so when you lived in ENG blocks you you had that program the whole time you were there once a week and we uh, were able to talk about it. I think that's one of the things that we uh, hope that we might be able to do a little bit better is uh, you don't need just need the program you need the opportunity to practice the things that you're learning. And Hope Community provided that opportunity for it practice. Did. It did, and it, it,
0: I, I think we started out doing so much and uh, immediate classes. I can think of um, having to get together every morning and sit there and talk to different people. And we had people like a person who's on staff here now. Uh, Doug Hardy came out and did inspirational stuff. I can think of Pastor Chris Bent from Calvary Kuno came out and did some stuff. And we had an array of people who came out and actually shared and it was such a positive sort of interaction. Um, how did you find all those guys? Did Ken find those guys, or was that a combination? Ken
2: helped us with a lot, but uh, it was funny. The, the Hope community just kind of went out big. People wondered why in the world uh, this program was happening at MAX and how it was going. So a lot of people contacted us. But Ken was very significant in finding those people. Uh, the program uh, w- was unique in a number of ways. Uh, Because, uh, as you know, Mark, when we brought people in, we sat and talked with them, and uh, we told them that they're getting an opportunity for change. We know you're not going to be perfect. So we know when you make a mistake, we'll deal with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And unless it's something very, very serious, we're not going to throw you out of the program we're yeah. going to help you learn by that. So you probably remember sometimes sitting in uh, the big, large circle yeah. with all the people. Well, it's a
0: TC model. It was a TC model. I yeah, mean, it really, sort of, yeah. It, yeah, it
2: was based uh, a bit on the TC, but the, but the theory was that if you made a mistake, you needed to understand how, not just how your thinking was wrong when you made that mistake, but how it affected other people. And so as you remember, we'd go around the room and, and, and everybody in that circle would say, Mark, when you did that, this is what exactly. I felt. This is how it impacted me. Yeah. And then- when that was all over, as you remember, we also went around the room and everybody said, by the way, Mark, mm-hmm. these are the things that I see in you that I really like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, a learning experience and a positive uh, experience both at the same time. And I got uh, comments from a lot of men in that, that that was one of the most significant parts of their of their training because they, they had never taken time to understand that when they made decisions like that, that it really had an impact on the people around them.
0: I And I too, I did it. it um Again, as you're listening to us in retrospect, so it got the reputation that if you come up to Hope Community, you're going to get out of prison early. Now, that was a, a, not a great rumor per se, but it got that reputation. So people really wanted to get in after it had gotten started. Uh, there was a while where we were looking for people, but it's once it got that rumor, then everybody came in. And I estimate, and help me with if you think this is right, but there were 36 beds there for a little over three years. I estimate that all over 200 people were there. And a lot of people came in and then left because they couldn't live that type of honesty 24-7. And it wasn't for them or, or they just – they said, yeah, I want this because I want to get out. And the, the point I think it changed one – one of the points that changed my life out there was I got – I had a room at the end down there by the end of G-block. I think it was G-18 or something like that in which when you got escorted out, you were escorted out by two men. You're handcuffed, and uh, as you turned that corner, that was my room, and I always could see the look in those guys' eyes, and it was like they'd look back at G Block and they think, "I made a mistake here, I, I blew this," and so that was, I think, for me, let's keep track of this. This is something powerful that we're doing here, and I, that was something. Does, do you agree with that, or you think that no? Well, I do was agree right? with that,
2: and and there were a number of the people who just at that time in their life Weren't were not really able to. to make that kind yeah, of right. commitment. But if you think back about that, Mark, there were some really interesting folks oh, in there. Oh, I,
0: I can uh, name remember names. Remember Billy was Billy.
2: so ornery and sour? Yeah. We never thought that he would survive, but he wanted to get a shot. And he just changed his life completely. Absolutely. A happy, smiley, cooperative, one of the hardest yep. workers we had. Yep. But it took time in that community, and he made mistakes in that community yep, until tell got where he was going. I, I think the reason that the men were able to do that uh, in, in that community was— uh, well, there were a couple of reasons. First of all, it was an, a community where they could feel free to try and make change and understand that mistakes would be dealt with, but they mm-hmm. wouldn't get them out of the program. You know, it was an opportunity to safely try to change. Yep. Um, the staff there were supportive of everything that was going on. Absolutely. So if you made a mistake, they would say, Hey, Mark, mm-hmm. that's not what we do here, and give you the opportunity. Yep. And they were schooled in the programs and delivered them to really help with the change. But I think the most key part in that was we had a mentor from the outside religious organizations, Ten Mile Christian mm-hmm. Church. Yeah, that's right. For every single person in that's that true. program, and that's they saw him weekly, no matter what. That's true. And because
0: uh, I, I know I was the man who's still friends with me now uh, is came out and saw me every Thursday for three and a half years. So that's that's pretty powerful. What a commitment! Huh? Yeah, that's pretty powerful. So that's that's uh, Steve Morse credit. And he's been on here, and we've said that, and we give him those stokes for that too. So that's fantastic.
2: Don't you think that was a significant? Part I think of that the was the key that
0: made it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do. And then I think as we started going away from programming, when we became the integral part, we became the backbone of the institution in terms of working in the kitchen, and in terms of ILD, and in terms of doing all the suicide watch. And then they introduced the dogs, where we did the dogs. So we really had we were busy all day long, and so that it started out just a programming unit, it developed where what they need you needed us to go to work, and then we just it developed into uh, it was a full time job. I mean, it got to the point where I think I even said to you, it was close to me getting out on parole, and they said, well, you can go to works work furlough program. And I go. Can you guarantee I'm going to get to a work furlough program because I'd have to go to another institution to get picked up by an institution to get picked up to work furlough? And you could have, I, I'm not sure you said it to me, but nobody could guarantee that once yeah. I got to the yard, I was going to get to work furlough. And I said, no, nah, I'll just, I was a the librarian. And then I said, I'll just stay right here and walk out the front door. So uh, that's what I chose to do because it was a good environment and because that's what we had. Well, and the parole
2: commission was watching too, mm-hmm. folks who had successfully completed uh, uh Working there and living there in the in, in the G block in the Hope community had a very high success rate of being uh, granted parole and getting yeah, out. Yeah, that's
0: so. true. That's true. I never really thought about that because Olivia, Olivia was quick with me when I got out. But that was it. Was it was good. I can remember a story that Mark Mark Cheney, who's been on this radio program too, oh, was geez. just recently out about the last who uh, who you ended up running across. I was told a story about him where you came to me at one point in time and we were looking for people. And I gave you three names. And I thought, well, good, Deputy Warden will go over and he'll go over to ISCC and he'll visit with these guys. And you just went right over and pulled them right over to the program. <laughs> and so here are these three guys come over, Mr. Castro and Mr. Cheney and Mr. Brigman, who had great jobs at ICC. And just because we had sat at the table in <laughs> GPod over at ICC, suddenly we're at max and they didn't know why they were doing, giving up great jobs. Now, all three of those people to this day will say that was a good thing. But that day when they were walking, standing next to me with Mr. Hammer as we were welcoming into G-Block, they weren't the happiest in the world. <laughs> that was not a
2: good day for them, was That it? was not a good day for them.
0: <laughs> I think it was that morning, too, where we'd had a we'd had a lockdown and they'd gotten forgotten in medical. So we had a lockdown, had a crisis, and then somebody just comes along and sees these guys sitting in, in, in medical waiting to go out to G-Block. By the time they were coming to find us with Mr. Hammer and G-Block, they were... They'd figured out that Rennick had done this to him. So, and, and I said, I didn't. I thought he was going to come talk to you. So. Well, it takes a long time in the institutions
2: to get a very good job, the job that you want. Yes. And so to be pulled away from those, to go to Mac's. Yes, exactly. Know, oh and they goodness. didn't
0: know why they were going. Yeah. Of course, you're being transferred. You don't know why. No. Mark Cheney was just all, when he was on the radio, he described it real well. <laughs> but I, I haven't done anything wrong. Why am I going to Max? So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Talk about, I can't let you go without talking about a couple of things. You always had a way two things about coming out when things were going wrong or something was up, you would come out and calm us down somehow. And it was uh, the most peaceful, you're, you're aware that you do that, right? And you come in just a group and you settled us all down. Is that something you knew about or you practice or is that just your demeanor?
2: Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure, Mark. Uh, I, I think it stems from the fact, uh, I grew up in this great family and uh, when you got six boys and a mom and dad in a very small house, you know, there's going to be some quarreling and conflicts and stuff like that. And it was always settled with this calm demeanor. It was always taken care of in a way that we didn't feel threatened or anything like that, but we were trying to work out the difficulties. So, coming down to see the men and saying, What's the problem exactly? and letting them articulate. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we didn't allow them to use inappropriate language or oh, words, no. but yeah. they were able to speak as frankly as they okay, wanted yeah. about the problem. And then Trying to explain what was happening and help him to find a resolution to it, it just seemed to be a good way to to handle problems down there. It ended up working out very well.
0: You did it so well, and I'm sure you're still well, doing you. it. I mean, because I, I ran across I run across people all the time who would say, "I was in G block and later on, later on, and then I was in some place and I saw you," and they just when you went up. They went up to you and said, "Bang!" and they were immediately. You did it after G-Block is what I'm saying. And you're still probably doing it today at Suki. So congratulations on the style. Yeah, it's very well noted and people know about it. So that's
2: powerful. That's very kind of you.
0: The other thing, we got to do two things too. We've got to talk about Pollyanna. We have to talk about the movie Pollyanna because <laughs> here we are, grown men. Here oh, yeah, I was in my 50s. And you come out and you say, you've got to see this movie. So tell me how Pollyanna kind of worked and how that works for you. This well, is his favorite movie. 19th. Was it sixty? Was it nineteen sixty? I don't know okay, exactly. Okay.
2: Pretty old movie. It's pretty old starring movie. Starring Haley Mills. Haley Mills when she was a kid. Family Dizzy, Disney, <laughs> yeah. Disney actress. Well, my family loves Pollyanna, okay. and uh, you know for a number of reasons. Uh, she was just such a sweetheart, and she just impacted so many people with that kindness, and they just loved her. And she played the Glad Game. You know, yeah. uh, what just, can you find about this situation that's good? And uh, so I kind of. Forced that down you did. your throats yes, out there, T-Block, You, did. And you did. said you're going to watch this movie, but the impact was that the men, many of them, really, really liked that movie and got it. Yes, I'm in this bad situation, but yeah. I can look for the good and I can do something about it that affects other people. And It had a significant ripple effect through that. It really community. did. It really
0: did. It's um. Yeah, it was really it was a very powerful kind of thing. Not sure that movie would be approved for programming in IDLC right they, now? I but. don't think they do that. No. They, wouldn't. they should. Everybody should watch that movie. Everybody yeah, should, should watch see it. that movie. Yeah. That's so cool. Anything else that we need to talk about before we close? Just sure.
2: one other thing, Mark. I think another reason that program worked is because we just didn't focus on the bad things and the crimes that the inmates had. What we said was, you're here because of your actions, so please call your family members write to them, call them your mm-hmm. parents, your brothers and sisters, and ask them, what's wrong with me? What would you like to see have changed? Exactly. And I don't know if you remember or not, but there were so many of the guys who lived in uh, E Block and G Block mm-hmm. that said that was one of the things that impacted those most. They had no idea that's how their family truly felt and mm-hmm. what they wanted them to do to change.
0: I, I know that I, from my own personal standpoint, I had I was estranged from my mom who was ashamed kind of where I was, et cetera. But yeah. I just made it, and I knew that she's not a communicator, But I made an effort, I'm not sure that it was based upon what prodding by you guys, but I just said, I'm going to write her and I don't care. And I wrote her religiously just every week, every week, every week. And um, today I have the best relationship with a mom I've ever had. And I'm sure it's because of that. And And to this day, she lives in St. Louis and I call her twice a week. So... That's part of what what we were doing, and that's and that's what I preach in terms of preach is not the right word. That's what I share in the groups that we do. It's about reaching out to these people and just being who you are right now and sharing who you are right now, honestly and from your heart. And people pick up on that and they they see it. You're right. It's exactly right. Do
2: you have time for one other thing? Yeah, go. Cool. So uh, you're in maximum
0: security institution. Absolutely. In a program. Tell them about the pepper. Oh, this is this is one of my favorite stories. <laughs> this is uh it's a crazy kind of thing pepper and salt were the key in terms of because the food is terrible and so you have these packets and g-block was mandated to put these packets together for the entire institution so one of my jobs is putting these packets together for the food that was going out on the trays at that point in time and here i had i love pepper and i had boxes and boxes of pepper And I thought, man, I can take as much of this pepper and take it back to my cell and have as much pepper on anything I need. But I didn't, and I can remember not doing it one time, thinking I'm not going to have enough pepper because you only have like one packet per day or something like that. And then coming right after making that decision, the right decision kind of, uh, three people coming up to me and handing me their packets of seasoning saying, Marenic, I know you like pepper, and I never use pepper, so here, take this. So it was in my sense one of those first things where I was saying, I'm changing my life. I'm going to trust this kind of thing. This is going to happen. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm not going to steal like I usually do. And then all of it coming to you. That's just, that, that, that was one of those highlight moments. I think the other one for me, I said, when I get out of here, if I walk out and I find a $50 bill on the ground, and if I pick it up and I try to find out whose it is rather than stuff it in my pocket, <laughs> that will be the kind of the next step. And that, that, that almost happened to me exactly. So that is cool. I learned all that from you. Well, thanks, Mark. I
2: learned a lot from you guys, so uh, I have to tell you that.
0: We're, we're running out of time, it's too bad, we'll have to have him back. Uh, thank you so much for him Director Johnson. It was my pleasure, really appreciate it. Mm-hmm.
1: Don't know that I will, but until I can find me, a girl who will stay and won't play games behind me, I'll be what I am, a solitary man. Solitary, Again, I want to
0: thank Michael Johnson for coming. Uh, you can tell he's a very special guy. There are some very special people that work for the Department of Corrections and um, it's just that there really are some dedicated individuals. Michael Johnson is at the head of that list. Uh, if you would like to if you heard something you heard if you've heard something today that you'd like to know more about, we're easy to reach wwwsystemicchangeofid.com. you can email us systemicchangeofidaho@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We're on Facebook Systemic Change of ID. We're on Instagram at Systemic Change of ID. You can even call us on the phone, 208 477 1006. Thank you so much for spending part of your Saturday afternoon with us, and we look forward to talking to you next Saturday afternoon on Victory Over Sin.